Welcome to the Psychedelic Spotlight Podcast. In this episode, I am joined by Kelly Folkrod, founder of the Organic Mental Health Center in Austin, Texas. Kelly is a transpersonal psychotherapist, trauma-informed yoga teacher, ceremonialist, and psychedelic integration therapist and through the Organic Mental Health Center, has dedicated the past 10 years towards supporting healing and trauma, complex PTSD, pregnant and postpartum women and their families, reproductive trauma, grief and loss, psychosis, bipolar, OCD, and treatment-resistant depression. Her offerings include individual and group psychotherapy services, in addition to yoga therapy and energy healing sessions, workshops, and retreats. My conversation with Kelly began with asking her to provide me with an overview of the Organic Mental Health Center and her inspiration behind founding it. I have been working in the mental health field for 19 years now. Um, and the first 10 years, I would say, of being involved with psychology and the practice of psychology, I had really kind of drank Kool-Aid on the medical model right? Um, because that was primarily my graduate level training. I mean, it was very medicalized and looking at mental health from a medical perspective. Um, and then I have been doing yoga as long as I've been uh, in the mental health field. And so I always call yoga was like um, the gateway drug for me. <laughs> It really, not only did it open up my body, right, um, which is connected to the emotions and the mind and the psyche, um, but it really uh, set me on this path for personal growth, personal evolution, and spirituality, which led me to studying different um, healing arts traditions with different curanderas in Mexico um, and also in Peru. And so I went through this pretty painful process of having to unlearn everything my culture, the religion, and my graduate school had taught me about what healing is and how we heal people. Uh, and, you know, I had this privilege of, of these indigenous healers welcoming me in to learn their traditions mainly because they they truly understand that that people in the united states are sick and that that's why i was invited in to learn these traditions so that i could bring them back to the united states and and offer alternatives now they're actually not alternatives these are the ways that people have been healing for thousands of years but they're considered alternative to the medical model um but within my clinical work, you know, along the first 10 years of my career, I, I quickly learned after working in psychiatric hospitals and then doing a stint of working with, within a pharmaceutical company bringing depression drugs to market, I learned pretty quickly that, um, that the West approaches mental health from a Band-Aid symptom management perspective and that we weren't taking into consideration um, all the different facets of what it means to be a human in, in our approach to healing. And right. I quickly learned that psychiatric hospitals don't heal people. If anything, um, the book of clients that I have worked with within my private practice report to me that if they have 
been institutionalized that they come out with more trauma that they have to heal from the, the hospital experience. So I had somewhat of a spiritual awakening halfway through, you know, my journey in psychology where I was just like, I don't, I don't think I can participate in this. This isn't, nobody's really healing. <laughs> We're placating the ego. We're giving people chemical, chemicals, right? But we're not, we're not actually allowing them to integrate the deeper energies of their soul in the treatment process. Because that's not something that most um, modern psychology uh, or, or psychiatry uh, professionals consider. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, that was what became very clear in learning how other traditions approach healing was that while in America we're missing um, more than 50% of the, the person's uh, personality by neglecting um, their energy and their spirit in the treatment process. So um, I had a mentor who really highly encouraged me to stay within the mental health system in America. Uh, she was kind of really, because at that point I was like, I want out. I don't want <laughs> right. to teach yoga or work with plants, but I don't, I don't want to be a part of this system because it doesn't resonate with me. And she's like, you know, the only way you can change a system is to be within the system. And so I made this, this personal commitment that um, that I would be a bridge between the gaps um, of not working in the mental health system in America. And so that's how Organic Mental Health Center got founded. Our conversation then shifted to the process involved with the healing process and helping to teach the individual she works with on how to be their own healer. First and foremost, teaching people how to be their own healer. Um, shifting that power differential that happens with therapist and client. Um, meaning that like, if a person comes to me and expects me to heal them, then I'm not gonna be able to help. Because right. I believe that healing is an inside job. I'm not in somebody's unconscious mind. Only that individual is. Therefore, they're the only one that can actually transform their psyche. So I, I what I do day to day is is teach people the tools to to integrate the disparate parts of themselves that have been relegated in the unconscious from trauma uh, and show them sustainable holistic alternatives to the pharmaceutical industry. Uh, and so, you know, business is going really well. Obviously, in the pandemic, we are experiencing somewhat of a mental health crisis in America, as right. in most parts of the world. Um, and so I had originally been working with a ketamine infusion clinic um, for about a year and have recently made the shift to incorporate um, ketamine-assisted psychotherapy within my private practice to create a more um, home-like setting. And with the use of lozenges and ketamine as a somatic psychotherapist, so I incorporate yoga, uh, the healing arts traditions, energy medicine, internal family systems, 
right? And I meet each person where they're at. I don't think psychedelics are for everybody. I don't think cannabis right. is for everybody. Um, but what I learned is that as a somatic psychotherapist who works with the body in the treatment process, because I believe moving the nervous system uh, somatically is how we release trauma. We are never going to release trauma by talking about it. That's not, that's not, you, you cannot heal the ego with the ego. The body is a representation of the unconscious mind. So when we can work with the body to, to discharge trauma that's been lodged there, um, that's, that's how healing and transformation happen. And yeah. so this, this model of integrating ketamine with lozenges within my private practice um, is really exciting because I'll have the ability to be able to um, to do the somatic work with people and not be be hooked up to an infusion uh, IV. Next up, Kelly shares her thoughts with me on overcoming the challenges with the stigma that in some respects remains tied to psychedelics and psychedelic-based healing, and particularly in a society that remains heavily dependent on a Western model of medicine. You know, I live in Austin, Texas, so there's a lot of very free-thinking people here. Um, but there is still a stigma, obviously, about psychedelics, but really about mental health in general. Um, you know, having been involved in clinical and academic research for, for many, many years before I became a therapist, that is one of the ways that I hope to be able to have these conversations with people that are skeptical or, or that have stigma around these kinds of conversations. Look, look at what the research is showing us. And <laughs> the research is incredibly compelling and we're just in the beginning of, of research efforts because we haven't been able to study these medicines for so long. And so I think that's one way that we can approach these conversations for people that, um, that have an idea of what healing is supposed to be. But like on some level, I do think that we're indoctrinated with the medical model. It's yes. cultural. It's, and, and if you go against that, then there's built-in ways of shaming you. And that, that's what stigma is at its core, that if you try and have a different opinion about it, you're quack. <laughs> you're unfounded, right? There's Unfortunately, there. yeah. Right. And so I, I think, though, that, and again, this is one of the unfortunate or fortunate byproducts of, of this collective trauma that we're all experiencing with this pandemic is that there is going to be significant PTSD from this experience. Oh, definitely. There already is. Mm -hmm. Suicide rates are up 300% domestic violence rates <laughs> are through the roof. Child abuse is up 400%. Children are dying every day because they are locked in their homes with their abusers. So, and that's just what's being reported to social workers. So the mental health outcomes of what we are currently experiencing are not gonna go away on their own. No. And, and people are going to be looking for other ways. And that's, I think, that's where psychedelics come in. Now, Kelly and I dive into the subject of postpartum depression, 
a segment of depression that an estimated 3 million women suffer from each year, according to the Mayo Clinic. I was interested to hear about the work Kelly has been involved in with helping women overcome some of the different mental and physical challenges they encounter during the postpartum period. For the past 10 years, I have been supporting women and their families from all facets of reproductive psychology. Um, and I do think, just like we were talking about stigma, there's a really huge stigma with postpartum mood disorders because there are cases um, like Andrea Yates within the media that have basically kind of shamed women into silence because there's a real big myth that postpartum psychosis is postpartum depression because of these sensational cases that we've heard about. Um, and ultimately, what I, how I view postpartum depression is I don't see it as a, the chemical imbalance is the whole cause. I see it more as a cultural sickness. And you've all heard the phrase that it takes a village to raise a baby. Well, that's not the American setup. And when you look to indigenous cultures, indigenous cultures don't put their elders, their grandmothers and grandfathers into old folks' homes because their culture is so terrified of aging, right? And so, right. so there's this breakdown within the social structure of our culture where we shun away the elders. The elders originally have always been in service to initiating the youth teenagers, young adults, right? That's always been how <laughs> these young people come into adulthood and flourish and thrive. And furthermore, we as rugged individualistic uh, society, that's, that's the value of America, is pull yourself up by the bootstraps and do it yourself, right? right. But in, in tribal cultures, it is not two people raising a baby. That's ludicrous to them. It's the whole community. That child from age birth to 18 has four, a minimum of four adults who are responsible for that child's well-being. And we have two at best in this culture. Um, and motherhood is isolating. It's especially isolating right now under these conditions. So I see it culture first. And then I look more at um, hormones and sleep deprivation, which are literally the perfect storm for anybody to not feel like themselves. Mm -hmm. So I've given birth, I'm a mother, and I can confidently say I had an unmedicated birth. Uh, and so I can confidently say that birth is a psychedelic experience. There were places and fields of consciousness that I went to in the birth process that, um, you know, obviously I had a psychedelic uh, framework to understand. I <laughs> um, I think that if you're not prepared for the shift in consciousness that just giving birth is, that even that in and of itself can be a very jarring and traumatic experience. Birth is traumatic, even if you have a lovely, easy birth. Um, it's traumatic to the baby because all their needs have been met up until this moment where they're separated from the womb and 
thrust out into the world, right? That's right. traumatic, no matter how you look at it, even if it's pleasant. Um, and so what I see in women is they've had this extremely psychedelic, I don't have a better word for it, like this psychedelic experience. Uh, if the woman has a sexual trauma, which, you know, 60 to 75% of women do by the age of 30, um, then you've also just from a body somatic level, the opening at the pelvis has just also unearthed all your trauma. Right. <laughs> Why you have this new baby that needs you 24-7 with a culture that's not supporting women. So the way that I approach mental health crises, because um, there's a lot of women in crisis in, in the postpartum period because they're not sleeping <laughs> you deprive any brain and sleep long enough and you can make it psychotic. That's just the nature yeah. of how important deep restorative REM sleep is to the brain. And so I look at crisis situations of what can we do to stabilize this woman and her family unit um, with the least amount of intervention? Because a lot of women want to breastfeed um, and so I do think that ketamine is likely candidate for that now ketamine is not you cannot I mean there's conflicting opinions about this but from everything that I've read in the literature ketamine should not be used with the breastfeeding woman um, there's plenty of clinics that do it I you know I'm not saying that it's impossible, but from the way that I practice, um, I look at the research literature. And so if a woman is lactating, then, you know, I mean, that's a, that's a conversation about risks and benefits at that point. Right. Um, but we also have to ensure that the woman's going to be able to sleep because we have to be very cautious about dissolving ego boundaries and what can be elicited in the unconscious mind. This is why I really, I preach proper preparation, proper integration. The peak experience is sexy. That's what everybody wants. That's why people are flying to the jungle, right? To have the peak experience. And that's fine. That is no. part of the healing. But in my opinion as a clinician, integration is where the real transformation happens and so if a woman is chronically sleep deprived and not able to consolidate the memories that are coming up that's a slippery slope um so my criteria is has breastfeeding ended is sleep available right and if it is then ketamine is a, a magnificent tool for number one, having to avoid being hospitalized if suicidality is present because ketamine is spectacular at reducing suicidal thoughts very rapidly. Doesn't mean that those suicidal thoughts won't come back if you haven't done proper integration, because they will. Right. <laughs> um, number two, I see it as a fantastic alternative to taking an SRI every day for months, years, possibly the rest of your life. So that's kind of how I use ketamine clinically with new moms is, you know, very thoughtfully. Right. Because there are certain people that 
shouldn't do psychedelics. And it's not just people with psychotic history. That's right. been my clinical experience. Finally, I posed the question to Kelly regarding where she believes the psychedelic community will be in the next five years, based on the ongoing momentum it continues to pick up, and most specifically on the heels of the successful passage of Measure 109 in Oregon and Initiative 81 in Washington, D.C., which continues to help usher psychedelic healing into the mainstream and is a more widely accepted treatment option for specific mental health conditions. I honestly could see it going one or two ways. And I think it really depends on um, the clinicians, the advocates, the investors, you know, everybody that's involved in the movement. Um, we want to make this a legitimate form of treatment and so we can't get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> um, it's so exciting and I'm so passionate about it. And I think we need to move slowly. Um, because one of my concerns is, um, and I know that this is a concern for a lot of people within the movement, um, without, you know, opening a whole can of worms here, is, um, psychedelics becoming medicalized completely in order to offer, you know, legitimacy to doctors and prescribers or to the, the general population, meaning that, um, I mean, I do have pretty strong opinions that if you take psilocybin and make it into a pill, that you've changed the medicine. Mm -hmm. And and I totally understand. This is how we started the conversation. That like that is that is the paradigm right now. Is take, go to a prescriber, get a pill, take a pill, feel better. So I understand why psychedelics might might go into that model. Um, but that is not how these plants no. were originally intended to be used. And that's an adulterated process. We don't know what kind of binders and fillers would be in that pill, for example, but even just from an energetic perspective, because I'm very interested in energy, um, you've changed the energetic imprint of that substance if you force it into a pill. And so, while I do want um, these medicines to be available in a more widespread use, uh, I do think we have to be careful what we wish for. Yes. So, yeah. um, and I know that yeah. might not be a popular viewpoint, but that's just my perspective as a clinician and as somebody who's seeing kind of the inside of how pharmaceutical companies do research. Um, no, I, I, yeah. yeah, I, I, yeah. but, uh, but, but, but having said that, I mean, I, I do feel this very deep in my bones that, um, in the next five to 10 years, just as important as like, I think probiotics are going to be a big part of mental health. Gut health is huge. The gut yeah. is the first enteric nervous system, not the second. And so I think there's going to be this wave of, um, of like, gut wellness in terms of mental health in conjunction with plant medicines. I mean, it is, it, it, in my opinion, it's the only way the mental health system in America will survive. Right. This is a dying art form. If we don't incorporate the body, the mind, 
and soul and spirit into it. Because otherwise, all we're doing is placating the ego. Right. And altering neurotransmitters. And that is not long-lasting transformation. I would like to thank Kelly for taking the time to join me and for the incredibly beneficial work she continues to provide through her offerings with the Organic Mental Health Center. I encourage anyone interested in learning more about Kelly Folkrod and the Organic Mental Health Center to visit their website at www.organicmentalhealthcenter.com. Global Track Solutions, Inc. and Psychedelic Spotlight does not in any way encourage or condone the use, purchase, sale, or transfer of any illegal substances, nor do we encourage or condone partaking in any unlawful activities. We support a harm reduction approach for the purpose of education and promoting individual and public safety. If you are choosing to use psychedelic substances, please do so responsibly.